0: Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org connect. Thank you for joining us. I want to welcome you if you're a guest with us today, my name is Lee and I'm one of the pastors here at Heights and it is uh, good to have you if you're a guest with us uh, for the first time maybe uh, in person or on online we want to say hello to you uh, and as Pastor Matt said uh, if you're a guest with us your first time, second time, third time, I've been here so much I don't want to fill out that card so you'll follow up with me time uh, We'd love to still get to know you, all right? So if you can take that welcome card out and uh, let us know who you are, we'd love to be able to pray for you and and just get to know you a little bit better. And on the back side of that card, uh, anybody and everybody can let us know uh, a prayer request that you might have, decision you might make during the service. We'd love to be able to follow up with you. If you've got a Bible with you today, whether it is electronic or a paper copy, if you will find Acts chapter 1. Uh, Acts chapter 1 is where I will meet you here in a moment, Uh, so Acts chapter 1 is where we'll be uh, this morning and uh, find that passage, and I'll meet you there in a moment, Acts chapter 1. Behind every action in life is rooted, uh, that, that comes out of everything we do, is rooted from a why question. So when you think of everything you do, you have essentially answered a why question to yourself, and that has led to the action uh, that you have done. So for instance, uh, coming up in the film room tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of college quarterbacks uh, watching game film, and the offensive coordinator is going to go, why did you just throw that ball to that wide receiver? And some of them are going to say, well, I thought he was open and it got picked off, or he was open in the back of the end zone, and I threw it. If you get pulled over by the police officer, they may call say, you know, why did you run the red light? And you say, well, I was, you know, late for work, and it was yellow when I started, you know, going through it. And I have a, a friend say, well, why did you retire from work? Well, I was tired of working, I was ready to retire. As a student, maybe your parents, why did you fail the test? Well, I didn't study, but I prayed, right? <laughs> you yeah. it didn't quite work that way. <laughs> or why did you get an A on the test? Because I studied and I prayed. <laughs> so, you know, everything we do in life originates out of a why question, We're starting a a, a series over the next five, six weeks called Why We, and we're going to be moving through the book of Acts, and essentially we're asking these questions. Why do we do what we do as a church? Why do we want to help start new churches like uh, Pastor Ray you heard from last week? Why do we want to help Uh, start new churches? Why do we baptize people? Why do we share the gospel? You know, Why do we start Hispanic ministry? Why do we have life groups? Why do we do what we do as a church? Because our prayer is, as our ministries and our church begins to expand out and our feet get busy with the gospel, we want to make sure our feet are on solid ground. We want to make sure we understand why we do what we do as a church from a biblical perspective. And so I want to encourage you over the next several weeks really to engage in this series. Uh, make it a priority to be here. If you can't be here because of life circumstances that week, uh, listen to audio uh, podcasts for that. Or find us on our YouTube page, Facebook page. And make sure you've got that deep understanding of why God's calling us to do what we want to do as a church. And that role that you play in expanding out God's kingdom. So I want to invite you this morning, if you're able to, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 11. If you don't mind standing again as we read God's word, if you're able to stand on your feet for that. If not, don't worry and just stay seated where you are. This morning we're going to look at why we love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. Luke writes this in verse 1, Acts chapter 1, in the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying, verse 4 says, with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We pick up in verse six. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10: While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Father, we thank you for songs that have been written by men and women that we can sing to you and about you. Lord, we love the way that music plays a a, a deep part in our worship, uh, the creation of music that stirs and speaks to our souls as, as we can sing to you and we sing out and we encourage one another by that singing and those words. And Father, we thank you for being able to worship you through the word of God, the way you have revealed yourself to us through the written word. And Father, we pray this morning that as uh, we hear your word, uh, that Lord, you would move in a way that would uh, help us in our faith. Uh, Lord, maybe it's someone coming to faith for the first time in Christ today, or maybe someone being strengthened, encouraged, built up. And Father, we want to see that happen because you're a God that's worthy of all worship. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you help us. Lord, help me as I preach. Help us to hear and help us to recognize the work of the Spirit in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we start asking the question, why do we love and lead all people to a new life of Christ? This passage really shows us what God does uh, in our lives as a church, as People. First, you see that God has a promise for his people. I want you to notice that God has a promise for his people. This is Luke that is writing to Theopolis. Now, this is kind of part two of the Gospel of Luke, if you will. Uh, Luke has written the Gospel to Theopolis, and this is a follow up letter. Uh, The book of Acts, the letter of Acts that he's written to Theopolis, is really the history of the early church. Uh, We're going to see the church born in chapter 2. You'll see the expanse of the church all throughout uh, the 28 chapters of Acts. And so Luke is writing to Theopolis saying, here's what's been happening uh, in the church. Now, Theopolis uh, is a Roman official. Um, don't know a whole lot about him. Maybe he is searching for Christ. Maybe he's a new Christian, uh, but Luke is writing to him. Luke also dates chapter one, 40 days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Luke tells you something kind of important that's been happening over those 40 days. He says that Jesus has been appearing off and on to the apostles, and he's been teaching them about the kingdom of God. I want you to notice that right there in in verses 3 and 4. That's an important marker to put down, that Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom. So make sure you kind of book that mark in your head. But then Jesus gives them a promise, and it's an important promise. Jesus says this wait in Jerusalem, don't depart, because soon the Holy Spirit is coming. All right? He says, wait in Jerusalem. Now I know you and you know me, uh, whenever God says wait in our lives, we get real excited, right? Oh, I mean, waiting hard, it's hard for me. I don't know about you. Maybe you have mastered waiting and you can teach us how to wait patiently because that's a struggle for me. When I want to see God move and I'm praying, I want to see God work and I want to see, I want him to do it quickly. I want him to do it on my time. The wait is hard. It's almost like I could describe it. you remember when you were a kid and it was around Christmas time and about two weeks out, presents started appearing under the tree. And you started, you know, you found those presents that had your name on it. And every day you were looking at that present, like, oh, I can't wait any longer to get to that present. You know what my dad did as kids? Dads, if you've never done this, you can now toy with your kids and torment them, and then later in life they can confess that in front of a big group as well. My dad would code our presents. Uh, He would, you know, come up with a code and every year the code was different. So my sister and I, who she was the snoop, she was the one that was always under the tree trying to figure out stuff. I mean, you know, she was the one, but he always, you know, one year it was like one star, two star, three stars, four stars on each gifts. And so you never knew whose present was who until Christmas morning when dad would decipher out the codes for everybody and pass it out until one Christmas, he forgot the codes That was an interesting morning opening when you have a four-year-old, you know, older sister, and like, clearly that one's not mine, you know, right? Okay. Waiting's hard, but here's what happens. In the wait, God doesn't waste the wait in our lives. You may be right now, you're waiting for a prayer request to be answered. You're waiting on test results. You're waiting on a job You're waiting on something that's deep in your heart today, and you're just waiting on the Lord. In that wait, God's not wasting time. Did you notice what he was doing in the wait before the Holy Spirit came? He was doing what? He was teaching them. He was teaching them about the kingdom in the wait. As you're waiting right now, God is teaching you something in that wait. And here's what he was teaching about the coming of the kingdom. And he gives them a promise. I want you to notice the promise in verses 5 and 6 with me again, because it's important. He says, wait in Jerusalem... Wait for the promise of the Father, which that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus has gone over this in John chapter 14, 15, 16. That promise is rooted in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's coming. And he says verse 5, you're going to, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Understand this. God has a promise for his people. He's promising them, I'm leaving And the Holy Spirit's coming. That's the promise. And that's rooted in the Old Testament. Jesus has been telling them this. And he says, listen, John baptized you with water. John immersed you with water. John covered you with water. Now you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be covered in the Holy Spirit. And that leads the disciples to ask a really great question. And sometimes I think we're a little unfair to them when we read our Bibles uh, because we kind of obviously read the whole story, they're living it out, and the next question is a fascinating question, because they're like, "Well, Lord, is is now the time for your kingdom? Like, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel?" That promise that was made long ago that David, on the throne of David, would be the ruler and the uh, one reigning for all of eternity. We know that's you now, Jesus. Like, there's no doubt in our minds. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. That's not debated. Is now the time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? And the reason they're asking that question when they're asking it's this. Oftentimes, the promises of God in the Old Testament are linked to the restoration of Israel. What has Jesus just been teaching? I told you to lock it back in your brain a minute ago. He's been teaching about the kingdom. And he's been saying, hey, the kingdom is coming. And now he's just told us the Holy Spirit's coming. And these are guys who knew their Old Testament prophets and they're like, wait a minute, Joel chapter two says the Holy Spirit's gonna come and all these things are gonna happen. And Jesus says this, listen guys, the kingdom, that's my business. I'm about to tell you your business. When the kingdom comes, Jesus says, that's my business. I'm about to tell you your business. But I want you to notice this this morning. You have a God that gives a promise to his people. But then God gives us a purpose. That that God doesn't leave us purposefully, you know, in life where we're just kind of out there floating. We have a purpose just as they had a purpose. Notice this purpose. He says, you're going to receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as we're seeking to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ, God gives us a promise, the Holy Spirit, and gives us a purpose to be witnesses. Now notice what he's done. He's given us essential teaching about the kingdom, and now he's given us essential power that we need in our lives. I love the way that verse reads in the Greek. Because it says, you will receive. If you write in your Bibles, you can almost write this word right beside the word will, must. Jesus is saying this you must receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Because I'm about to tell you as witnesses where you're going to take the gospel, and you need power to do that. And so Jesus is saying, you must receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. In my life, your life, as we seek to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ, we need power to be able to do that. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to help us along in that journey as we take the gospel out to other people. Now, I know probably what's happening in your mind at this moment when you hear about being a witness for Christ, when you hear about being a missionary for Christ, when you hear about God giving you power, and the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he's calling you to do. I, I know what's probably happening in your mind. I know what you're thinking right now. You're listing out a few excuses of why you can't do that. Am I getting close? You're probably telling God, no, I can't do that. I mean, I'm, I'm shy in front of people. Or, or you just may straight up not like people, right? That's, that's a hard you know thing to conquer if you want to share the gospel with them. Oh, I can't do, I'm too busy, I'm this, I'm that. Like you got the excuses running. That's okay, I've been there where you are. God God gives me things to do and I do the same thing you do. Here's what I'm often reminded that God does with me, that when I tell him something that I can't do that he's called me to do, I feel like God gives me a holy from heaven. You ever get one of those? That's like, here's what I want you to do, and I'm going to give you power to do it. And then we come right back to God, and we're like, oh, no, with God, we can't do that. We can't do that. And then he just goes, <clears throat> it's a holy, <clears throat> what's that one he's doing this morning to you? Oh, I can't do that, Lord. <clears throat> yeah, you can. You know why you can? Because I've given you power to be able to do it been able to give you power through the Holy Spirit to do what I've called you to do. And what he calls them to do is to take the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And you can take that out geographically, right? This is our town and our city and our state and our nation and our world. And you trace through the book of Acts how that happens. It starts in Jerusalem and it goes all the way to the ends of the known earth at that time where the gospel goes. But understand this, this is more than the gospel breaking geographical boundaries, That when the apostles take the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, this is the gospel breaking racial boundaries. This is the gospel breaking economic boundaries. This is the gospel breaking cultural boundaries. This is what the gospel does. When we take it, walls fall down that divide us. The gospel brings us together. Read the book of Ephesians and you'll see it there. That everywhere the gospel goes, it doesn't divide, it unites. Listen, so many of you are praying right for our nation and amen, we need to. We sang a song earlier, Lord, win this nation back. What will divide, what will bring a divided nation together? A united church. A divided nation will come back to God when a united church takes the gospel outside, when the gospel unites. And we say we are people not divided by racial lines, we are not divided by cultural lines. We are not divided by economic lines. We are not divided by social lines. We are united around this man who is a Middle Eastern carpenter by the name of Jesus Christ, who died for us on a cross, who brings all people together who confess him as Lord and Savior. What a beautiful day heaven's gonna be when every tribe, tongue, and nation stand before the throne of God and say worthy is the king of kings. That's what happens when we love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. He empowers you and I to be a witness. He empowers you and I to be missionaries. You know, I was thinking this past summer, we had many in our our youth group express a call to missions. And coming out of camps and different meetings, they say, I feel called into missions. And we celebrate that, and we're excited for that. But understand this, for every single one of us, we are witnesses. For every single one of us, we are missionaries. That is our identity in who we are in Christ. The only difference between an international missionary and a missionary in Alvin, Texas, is location, not identity. So listen to my students in here, to my adults in here. Missions, yes, takes place overseas, but missions is right here in home. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are missionaries. We are witnesses. God is calling us to be those witnesses in locations he puts us to be. He says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He has a promise for us. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit who is coming. He has power for us, provision, a purpose to be missionaries. And we see this when the power of the Holy Spirit has come. We will go out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, I I love to read about the history of the early church church there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Green, and I want you to listen to what he says. It's in his book called 30 Years That Changed the World. Michael Green wrote this. He said, three crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. In the years between 33 AD and 64 AD, a new movement was born. In those thirty years, the church had sufficient growth and credibility to become the world's largest religion the world has ever seen, and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread currently in the every corner of the globe. Today, Christians have two billion followers. It has had an impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and on course of the lives of countless people worldwide. And the seabed of all of this, the time when it took to take a decisive route, was in three decades, just in 30 years. It all began with a dozen men and a handful of women, and then the Spirit came. Just think about that. You and I are worshiping Jesus today because a handful of men, a handful of women, when the Holy Spirit came, Pastor Matt alluded to it earlier, Pentecost happens chapter two, they go out and just start loving and leading all people to a new life with Christ. And 2,000 years later, you and I now have an opportunity to continue that lineage, continue that lineage and that movement. See, I want you to see this, and when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's more than just getting your fire insurance. It's more than just saying, oh, I don't want to go to hell, and I want to go to heaven, and so I'm going to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's more than that. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called into a kingdom. You are given an identity as a son and a daughter of the king. You are given an identity as a witness. You are now put into a movement that's greater and bigger than you, And Jesus says, I'm calling you into this to continue to spread the fame of my name and my reconciling work between man and God. I'm going to use you to do that. Now, there are a lot of reasons that you should be thankful that I'm not God. There's a lot of reasons I'm thankful I'm not God. If I was God, there would not be a lot of people in heaven. I'll just be straight up honest, okay? Just wouldn't be. I'd clear out a lot of Houston traffic pretty quick, I could tell you that. (laughs) But if I was God, honestly, I would have designed the evangelization, evangelization of the world completely different. I wouldn't have used humans. Because I've had some conversations with adults lately that have made me lose faith in humanity sometimes. Where I'm like, I'm really talking to adults about this and I can't believe I'm talking to adults about this. So there's times I look around humanity, I'm like, we're the best that God's got, whew, man. But you know what? We're plan A, there's no plan B when it comes to spreading the gospel. We're plan A. That God in all of his wisdom and all of his infinite knowledge goes, I'm resting all of this worldwide evangelization and making disciples and loving and leading all people in new life with Christ on you guys, right? So look around the room. This is us. You might go, oh boy, I don't know about those folks in that section over there. And that section over there is like, I don't know about that section over there, but praise be to God that Jesus is the King of Kings who unites us together, Right? And he gives us the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do what he's calling us to do. See, I love the way that verse 8's written. Verse 8's written in the Greek as, this is what you will do. <laughs> That's the way Jesus is saying it in the, in the Greek. And the original is, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. You will do this. You will go. The gospel will go. You and I are part of that movement of taking the gospel out. I want you to see that God has a promise for us, the Holy Spirit. He has a purpose for us. He has a plan for his kingdom. Our purpose to be witnesses, but I want you to notice this plan he has for his kingdom. Verses 9 and 11. And he said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. I'm going to tell you, I love verse 10. They were gaze into heaven as he went. Behold, two men stood beside him in white robes. And here's what I love about verses 10 and 11. It's so comical to me. Mill and Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? You ever stopped and paused in your Bible and answered questions like that? I mean, here they are. Jesus just, they're looking up. Two angels appear. Why are you guys standing looking in heaven? Can you give us five minutes to process what we just saw? I mean, you got Peter going, I think he's behind that cloud that looks like a duck. You know? You got another one like, I think he's behind that cloud that looks like a goldfish. Thomas is over there just still doubting everything. He's like, I don't know where he went. But notice what he says. This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Now, what he made there was an eschatological statement that's filled with eschatology, which means about the return of Christ. And here's the problem. Some of us, which isn't wrong to look at charts and maps and try to figure out, you know, are we pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture? I'm just good whenever it happens type of rapture. That's my theology. If Jesus wants to take us out of this joint, I'm good. We'll get so busy stargazing at everything else, we'll forget the mission. That's what the angels are saying. Hey, guys, he's promised you the Holy Spirit. He's given you a purpose. Go be witnesses. Why are you still standing here? Go. That's what the angels are saying. Go. Here's what you're supposed to do. Go. You and I can get so distracted that we forget what God has called us into. And this morning, I don't want you to lose that amazement. I don't want you to lose the amazement for one second that Jesus Christ not only died on the cross for your sin, not only was raised from the grave on the third day to provide you eternal life. don't, Don't lose the amazement in that, but don't lose the amazement in this, that Jesus says, I'm depositing the Holy Spirit in you. I'm giving you the Spirit, and I'm calling you into kingdom work. Man, I get so fired up and amazed by that, that God would use a person like me just to be called into something bigger than himself, called into kingdom work to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ, You and I all should be amazed that God for one second would go, I'm putting my spirit in you and then I'm going to use you to bring other people to Jesus. Man, that's amazing to me. And so this morning, why do we love and lead all people to a new life with Christ? Because God's given us a promise that he's fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes upon you when you place your faith and trust in Christ. God's given us a purpose to be witnesses and he has a plan for his kingdom. His kingdom's going to come on his time period. And in the meantime, we're just going to go out and live out that purpose. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, Today, I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you and follow up with you and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org slash connect, click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our live groups are at 9 a.m. And our worship service starts at 1030 a.m. So we hope to see you soon. And we hope you have a great week. God bless.